Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello everyone and welcome to our show. Today we discuss about creating and launching your podcast. I'm excited to discuss this topic with Daniel Barstein. How are you? Good. Good to be here, Anatoly. That was a fun intro. Yeah, it's a big pleasure to get back you on my show because you uh, shared a lot of value in our first episode. Right now we have the second. And, uh, you know, uh, I think uh, many people don't understand why we need to uh, have uh, our podcast, you know, because in most cases, uh, many people think about link building, about uh, creating better awareness. But for me, it's more important to build relationships. Uh, before we start, just tell more about your uh, yourself, experience, background, and why you decided to pay a lot of attention with podcasts. Sure. Uh, my name is Daniel Burstein. I'm the Senior Director of Content and Marketing at uh, Marketing Sherpa and MechLabs Institute. And uh, so what we do is, you know, we're very content oriented. So we created, you know, through Marketing Sherpa, uh, case studies, lots of free case studies on our website to go back, you know, over 20 years since, since the turn of the century, since really the early days of the internet, you know, back in the 90s, to help people become better marketers, you know, not from hearing thought leaders or opinions, but from seeing what really works, seeing what their peers are doing. And then through Mech Labs, and kind of giving a background so you understand the podcast, and then through Mech Labs, a parent organization, uh, we have a patented methodology to help people increase conversion. In other words, to get them to get more yeses from their audience. And that's, you know, to get more purchases, uh, but also to get more people to sign up for their emails, to get more people to become leads. And we have a free digital marketing course for that. And so, you know, we were looking at what's the next step. And as you talked about the next journey, the next way to connect with our audience. So the written case studies, you know, are great on Marketing Sherpa. Uh, you know, a lot of people come to the site, link to the site, you know, have that experience. And hopefully, you know, some of them go on to take our, our free course. But as you were talking about, it's not as deep of a level of engagement with the audience, right? So you get the links, you get people to read, but you don't get that deep engagement. And so that's why we were looking into launching a podcast. And the new podcast mm -hmm. is called uh, How I Made It in Marketing. And again, we, we, what we did is uh, we took the same value proposition, and that's something we, we really probably should talk about today, your value proposition for your free content. We took that same value proposition, where it's not just thought leaders and opinions, right? It's actually seeing what people did. But then when you're moving to a new medium, the same thing we did in a written medium wouldn't work, right? So written case studies are great. You know, you see what people did, you see the results. But over a podcast, it's it's frankly kind of boring because with a written case study, uh, I think that the time and attention, the, the the kind of what we're getting from the audience is while they're at work, right? Professional marketers, entrepreneurs, they're searching at work for a problem, they read a written case study. But for a podcast, you know, a lot of the time, it's people, they're, they're commuting, they're working out, it's their downtime. And we're competing with now comedy podcasts, true crime podcasts, all these different things. So what we did in our podcast is we said, hey, we want to hear real stories, right? Again, not just opinions, but those real compelling, interesting stories that if you're a marketer or entrepreneur, you're kind of leaning in and like, you know, if you overheard that in like a bar or, you know, coffee shop, you're like, wait a minute, I'm in that industry. I want to hear about this. So kind of a little background of what we did there at a high level. Mm -hmm. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, I love learning from real stories because I think uh, how I can adapt 
such uh, technologies uh, with my projects, you know, uh, because um, I think generic methods uh, don't work, you know, uh, if you don't adopt them. And uh, from my experience, it's better to pay attention uh, with your strong sides. So if you are good with podcasting, why not? You can do it. If you are good with link building, then jump on uh, this field. For example, I know one uh, company and they use only one uh, link building technique, help of reporters out and earn a million dollars, you know? <laughs> so yeah, not bad. By the way, uh, I often see you on uh, help of reporters out. Can you unhide? Uh, uh, what goals are you chasing with this tool and what kind of results can you get with that? Probably others, marketers can use them. Can you tell more about that? Yeah, so I think there's probably two ways to use Help Reporter out. So where I see it written about online is for the SEOs and link building. So that's if you want to be a source, hey, you're trying to get links from these publications. So I'm using it from the other side. So since at Marketing Sherpa, we're a publication, uh, we're always looking for sources to report on our case studies and to find good stories for our podcast, good good, you know, marketing and business leaders to interview for our podcast. And so I noticed one thing, I'm using Help Reporter out for a, a, a very long time. But one thing, you know, back in the day before we started, you know, there's a lot of talk now about diversity of sources. And that was a, a challenge we had before. So we would have, you know, close relationships with certain PR representatives who, you know, email us or, you know, with certain, you know, uh, marketing industry platforms and agencies. And so we would kind of go to that well a lot and we'd be doing case studies a lot from those groups. And so something that we want to really do and change is just kind of open it up to the whole world and build new relationships. So through Help a Reporter Out, again, we're always looking for those specific case studies with results to publish. We're looking with for marketing and business and leaders and entrepreneurs who've got, you know, good stories for the podcast. And we use, you know, several other tools similar to that, a lot of email. But again, it's our way to just kind of open it up and not say, hey, we're just going to use those same sources we have relationships with. We're trying to open it up and find the absolute best stories, right? Find those needles in the haystack for our audience so they can improve their results. Mm-hmm. Love it, love it. Uh, okay, let's get back to the main topic. Uh, if someone wanna, uh, mm, I don't know, to, to launch their podcast, uh, what is the first step, second app? Can you provide a checklist, you know, uh, to launch your podcast? Yeah, so the first step, uh, as with any, so podcast is a product. We really have to think mm-hmm. of it that way. It is a product. And so, yes, most podcasts are not subscription. Mostly they're, you know, quote unquote free. People are getting it for free. But when we use the word free, what we really mean is there is no monetary cost, right? But there's mm-hmm. still a pretty big cost to people, right? You can't just have this idea of I'm launching this free podcast. Everyone's going to buy it, right? So the podcast, they're, they're paying with their time. They're paying with their attention, right? And so that is a big cost. And so we have to say, okay, how can we create a successful product? So with any product, as with any product, we need to create a value proposition for that product. So what I was trying to tell you in the beginning of this, uh, you know, story is the value proposition for our podcast. So we launched it uh, right at the turn of the year, right in December is when we started getting going in January is when we went live. And the difficult thing we had to do is say, what is the value proposition for this, right? Surely there, there's no shortage of marketing podcasts out there in the world at this point. So what is the value proposition? And so there's four elements to the value proposition. Uh, first is the appeal, right? So, and this is from, again, Mech Labs methodology. We teach us all in our free digital marketing course. You go to mechlabs.com slash course, see it all there for free, M-E-C-L-A-B-S, I'm sure, and I totally share the links. But using our methodology, okay, you know, what is the value proposition of the podcast of this free product. It's a product. It's not, 
the, the audience doesn't look at it as content marketing. We might, right? The audience looks at it as why should I engage with this product? So first is the appeal, right? What would be appealing to your audience? And so, you know, for us, like I said, we've had, you know, decades of uh, writing to our audience and we know what's appealing is hearing those real stories, not just hearing opinions. Um, so that is what we use for appeal, but it's really important to, you know, do whatever you can for customer research. Uh, you know, if you talk to your customers, get them on the phone, uh, look in different, um, you know, forums, review sites, Reddit, Yelp, uh, you know, email them, uh, you know, all these different ways you can do it and kind of understand, okay, what is the appeal for your customers, for your product that ties into your product? And it really, it usually just comes down to one of two things, right? They're either trying to overcome a pain point or they're trying to reach a goal. And so what can you do with your podcast to help them do one of those two things, overcome a pain point or reach a goal that ties into your product, the main overall value proposition of your company, right? So the first thing's appeal, right? The second thing you want to look at is exclusivity, right? So as I said, there's a lot of marketing podcasts, right? There's probably a lot of podcasts in many fields. What can you do out there that has some level of exclusivity that's different? If it's appealing and people can get it everywhere, they wouldn't necessarily want to download yours. And so as I talked about using our podcast, how I made it in marketing, as an example, um, you know, exclusivity was difficult. That how I made it in marketing was like the ninth or 10th name I came up with. Because, you know, one, you want to look and make sure you have an exclusive name and searching. There are so many marketing podcasts. A lot of the ideas I came up with, hey, someone beat me to it. Someone came up with it first. So I had to come up with that exclusive idea. Um, and again, that exclusive idea is kind of with the thing that tied into the appeal too, is not just getting on there with thought leaders and opinions and getting in there with real stories. Yes, we want lessons for our audience, but real stories. So for your podcast, see what's being done in your industry, see what's being done to the, the type of customers you're trying to target, and then you know look at what you can do that's exclusive. Uh, so that's the second thing. Uh, the third thing that you'd want in your value proposition for your podcast or your product is credibility, right? So you can say, you know, hey, we're going to help you solve all your problems, right? We can launch a podcast. We're going to help you solve each and every one of your marketing problems. Just give us 10 minutes and you'll have no marketing problems again, you know? <laughs> but again, there's, there's not going to be a lot of credibility in that. So you can boast all you want, but what is an honest promise you can make and, and how can you back it up? So for us, the credibility, you know, probably comes in, in two ways. Uh, marketing Sherpa is a very respected brand in the industry. As I said, it's been going since, you know, the turn of the century. So when people see Marketing Sherpa in the, um, you know, feed, they are, you know, more likely to download it. When we were designing the cover image, because every podcast has this cover image, if you scroll through iTunes or any other podcast reader, you will see, um, you know, the cover image show up, the little logo of it. We were talking about, uh, you know, should it have my face? There's a lot of podcasts that have people's face. And we decided that, you know, every pixel you have in that image needs to connote value, needs to connote your value proposition. If someone sees my face, I mean, I've got a perfectly nice face, right? Right. But it's, you know, <laughs> that's not, that doesn't really communicate any value proposition. It wouldn't get them to click on our podcast for something else. So we use that real estate instead for the marketing Sherpa logo, because that helps give us that credibility. If your brand is established, that would work well. If not, another place you can get credibility is your guests. Uh, we're very fortunate. You know, we've been able to interview, you know, marketing leaders from uh, big brands, you know, CMOs. Uh, so far, we've had uh, NYU re recently introduced, interviewed uh, Merrill, the podcast with Merrill's coming out tomorrow, uh, Mint Mobile, uh, Sattva. Uh, so, you know, big leaders from big brands. And that, you know, draws attention and helps build credibility. But think, what, what, what can you do to add credibility? 
Uh, then the other thing, uh, the funnel thing, we talked about the things, the fourth thing is clarity, right? So mm -hmm. again, at the end of the day, if, if you have something uh, that's appealing, if it's exclusive and if it's credible, but if no one can understand it, <laughs> you know, they're not going to click. And so that's why we went with the name, how I made it in marketing. So sometimes I see out there, uh, there's a lot of uh, very creative names for podcasts, but I'm not sure what the value proposition of investing my 20 minutes or 30 minutes or hour of listening to it is. Uh, so how I made it in marketing, we felt was very clear to the audience. And then, of course, we have a whole description, you know, that, that goes on and, and makes it more clear. Uh, and of course, that that's a play on words that's really common in podcasts. How I made it in marketing is, you know, right, how the, the business leaders have been successful in marketing. Uh, but also it's, you know, we as marketers, something really core to our job is we make things, right? That's exciting. So I've never been another job. I've never been a podiatrist or an auditor or something else, but I don't feel like they walk away. They leave, they leave the office and they feel like they made something. We make things, we make campaigns, right? We make brands, we make products. And that's, you know, what's so exciting about the job. So those kind of four things, that's really the first thing that you have to do in launching a podcast, create that value proposition. No matter what else you do after that, you know, to help promote it. If you don't have that value proposition, if you get it in front of people, you know, it's, it's not going to be successful. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Uh, I love, uh, you know, all points are very good, you know, and for example, um, uh, especially about uh, uh, exclusive, you know, uh, because for example, when I check out uh, on HRFs or SEMrush, uh, the keyword podcast, I can see that each uh, so many keywords with Joe Rogan, you know, uh, many keywords with Joe Rogan. And, you know, uh, when uh, content creators are trying to copy Joe Rogan, uh, his podcast, uh, I'm not sure it's a good idea because uh, <laughs> if someone wanna get Joe Rogan, he can open this Joe Rogan podcast, you know, yeah, just to find on Spotify. Uh, but it's better to be yourself, you know, don't copy others, just find your style. And uh, yeah, at that point, you can go ahead. So yeah, uh, love all your points. For example, uh, when I started my uh, Ukrainian podcast, um, I spent like... Uh, yeah, I think I recorded 100 episodes to get first engagement. And after 200 episodes, uh, we got uh, 2,000 loads per episode. But for the first 100, we got, I don't remember, like uh, 5, 10 downloads, not more. You know, So it takes time to improve your confidence, uh, to get experience, and to find your style. You know? And uh, yeah, uh, it's better to be yourself than copy Joe Rogan or Gary Vee or any other recognizable experts. Yeah to go ahead with that so i'm glad you bring <laughs> yeah. it i want to follow up on that because that's a really important point so i think there's there's two things there that are really important so one is to understand like i was saying in a podcast so when you when we're talking about free content like i said people are paying with their time and attention and you have to understand where and how they're paying so for us like if you have a blog or something but for us like i said for our written case studies we feel like they were paying with their time and attention while they're at work to solve a specific problem for that podcast is very different. Like I said, you're reaching into their downtime. And so in some ways you are competing with Joe Rogan, right? Because that, they're getting on this commute. They can either listen to you know Joe Rogan or they can listen to me or they can listen to you, right? So on the one hand, you have to understand what would work in the audio format differently than what would work in the written format or any other format, right? In a TikTok video or something like that. And so that's, like I said, one thing we had to do is we had to make it a little more engaging and entertaining. That's why we focused on stories and not case studies, right? The difference from, from a story is it's kind of got that engagement factor. It's got that aha, it's got that laughter, it's got the surprise, it's got the drama. That's something you might want to listen to. Now on the flip side, as I mentioned, you, you have to find your niche. So when we're, we're 
addressing those four things for the value proposition, those four things are actually a way to answer the question, if I am your ideal customer, why should I buy from you instead of any of your competitors, right? So if I'm your ideal customer, means you have to find the right niche. So you can't say, hey, I can have a better value proposition than Joe Rogan, let's say. But you can say in your niche, right? So for example, I'll just make something up here. Let's say, you know, I, uh, am tr I have a, a lawn service rental company that rents like electric lawnmowers because they're quieter and uh, they're more efficient or whatever. And I am targeting, you know, lawn service companies. So I want to say not like, why should the lawn service companies, you know, listen to any podcast, Joe Rogan, instead of me? Why should they listen to me instead of my competitor? So how can I best serve that specific niche? So if you have a challenge answering that value proposition question, like we talked about, it's because you have to niche down until you find that audience you can best serve. Mm -hmm. Love it, love it. Okay, um, uh, yeah, I have a bunch of questions, but it's better to uh, to reply to the questions that people ask, you know, because yeah, uh, they're uh, listening to us. Uh, how to overcome fear uh, of your audience and opponent in a podcast? What do you think? Yeah, I think uh, yeah, I think I remember when I decided to feel my first video uh you know i felt that it's better to break my leg than uh to film <laughs> this video yeah I, really i scared camera a lot you know after 100 videos i love it and uh, so i think uh, consistency is the best thing and perseverance if you go ahead you have experience yeah you can uh, take away all fears what do you think about it yeah. So, you know, I think I, I learned a lot from, we used to have um, conferences, we used to have big conferences and I would train speakers for, we'd have the marketing Sherpa summit, these mm -hmm. big conferences. And when speakers were nervous, I found here's, here's the reason why we're nervous. Well, two things. One, you know, it's not bad to have some nerves. It's, it means that you're excited and anxious and you want to, you want to perform well for this audience. It means you want to serve them. So, so that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, but the other thing is when you're too fearful, I found a lot, it's because you're too focused on yourself. Right. What are we afraid mm -hmm. of? We're afraid of, oh, my gosh, these people are judging us and we're not doing bad. And I misspoke and all these things. And so when we can flip and again, this is true for public speaking, for podcasting, for a lot of things, when we can flip. And instead of focusing on ourselves, we could do kind of one of those hardest things and focus on the other. So every time I'm podcasting, when I'm talking to you right now, like I probably look like a doofus with my glasses on and, you know, the light shining off me and my voice doesn't sound just right and all of these things. And if I focus on that, if I'm just so focused on myself. I'm probably not going to do very well. But instead, mm -hmm. I'm trying to focus on like, hey, I'm so excited. I've learned these things in my life and my career. And if I could teach these things to other people, to the people listening, that's great. So that's my biggest focus. When I'm getting on a podcast, when I'm looking at who to interview for our podcast, it's how can we help other people, right? How can we, you know, we put that value proposition out into the world. And now we have to follow up on that value proposition with our podcast. And so that's what kind of reduces the fear to me. And honestly, gets me excited. It's, it's a fun thing to wake up and every day do this. I started as an advertising copywriter writing ads in the newspaper more than two decades ago. And that, you know, that was fun. It's creative and stuff. But it was less, it was less of a servant heart. It was less service oriented. If you're getting in content marketing of any kind, if you're podcasting, the goal should be to help other people. That's goal number one. Goal number two is, I have a conversion goal. I want to get leads for us. For example, like I mentioned, we've got a free digital marketing course. We'd love you to go, you know, take it. Right. That's, but that's goal number two, right? If we're not helping people, then we'll never even get to goal number two. So that's goal number one, help people.
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, help and support. Um, you mentioned about uh, learning your customers. You know, when you um, uh, create content, you need to understand what kind of problems they have. Can you provide a technical aspect, how to do it, how to learn customers and know uh, their pain points and how uh, do you know that you can help and decide these problems? Sure. I mean, so this really, you know, it comes down to resources, right? So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, with, with bigger companies, you know, one thing that Mech Labs engages with is A-B testing. So we can actually engage in real world experiments and see people's behavior and see what really works. That's, you know, phenomenal. And, you know, bigger companies can engage with third party survey companies and, you know, big data and data analysis and qualitative and quantitative researchers. You know, so many things big companies can do. We I interviewed uh uh, the uh, Michael Diamond, who is leading a program now at New York University, but he was the acting CMO of Time Warner Cable, and he engaged in this big data product uh, project of more than 30 million data points to understand how customers wanted to bundle uh, cable products. That was, you know, phone, internet, and cables. So that's, you know, what really big companies can do. But, you know, if you're a smaller company, even if you're a solopreneur, the thing that excites me that's different from when I started in this industry, but when the internet was kind of just starting out is, you know, there, there, there was always that idea of kind of the water cooler conversation. What are, what are people saying to each other about our category, about our product? And it was very hard to get that. But now people are having these conversations online. So, you know, it's understand where customers are and go there. Uh, you know, it's, you know, go social media. Where are they going to? What forums are they going to? Like I said, what review sites? Even interviewed um, the CMO of Mint Mobile, Aaron North on the podcast. And he talked to even for that big brand. He, he's the CMO of Mint Mobile. He goes into Reddit almost daily. And in Reddit, he can see in real time what his customers want, how they're reacting to his campaigns. Uh, you know, another great thing is just uh, talking to customers when you can. You know, you want to talk to more than one if you can, you know, seven, 10, something like that. You'll start to see patterns. So if you can get them on the phone, uh, if you live in the same town as them, take them out to, you know, get a cup of coffee, take them out to lunch. It's definitely worth it. And talk to them and really pick their brain. And, and if you're if you're going from a helpful manner, you know, from a helpful heart, you know, they'll they'll want to help you better understand them. Uh, and then like, really, if you're a bigger company, one of the coolest things you can do, one of the coolest things I've heard someone talk about is like customer anthropology. So tomorrow, uh, coming out on the podcast, we've got uh, the brand marketing director of Merrill. And so Merrill mm-hmm. makes you know shoes and hiking boots. And when she worked for a footwear company, they would actually go all over the world. They would go into people's homes. They would go into their closets. They would observe them and they would see how they they, they act. So, you know, there's not one right answer. You know, you have the budget for surveys. That's great. You know, if you don't, just kind of go where your customers are, be real, interact with them, and kind of take that heart wanting to learn from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I read a few uh, great marketing books. And uh, CEO of big companies, they usually uh, go to customers, uh, spend time with them, you know, like uh, uh, the whole day, you know, just to learn uh, how their products uh, help them, why they are buying products. And uh, that's okay if you use tools, you know, when you learn from tools uh, to get this data. But when you uh, speak directly, when you spend time with them, you can feel much better uh, what kind of uh, uh, problems they have. And you can understand how you can decide these problems. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I'm interested, uh, for example, how to learn about customers uh, when you uh, launch a new product, when you uh, have no experience, when you have no customers, but you have uh, high quality product and you are going to uh, launch in some time. Uh, can you tell how to learn customers uh, at that point? Well, then that, you know, again, it, it all comes down to resources. Like there are very funded mm-hmm. companies that are launching products and they could do complex things. Like I said, like we do A-B testing with, with 
uh, customers and that you can see their real behavior. That's great. But I mean, if you are smaller and you're launching a product and you don't have that money yet, it's you have to try to understand where those customers are and you have to try to be there as, as much as possible. Like I said, I mean, when I've done writing for, um, uh, actually, we did a great case study. I remember a few few years ago, it was um, a company, it was a very small company that launched a new product and it was something that went on a Peloton bike. So like a Peloton bike, you know, those are kind of the bikes you can ride in your house and they're interactive and they have these screens and there was something, I don't remember the product exactly, it had something to do with the screen. And, you know, I remember asking them, I was like, well, you know, Peloton bikes, they, they kind of already came with this. Why did you even launch a product? And so what they did is they tried to live life as much as they could as a Peloton customer to find what the pain points were. They got the bike, they rode it, they did it. But also they went into different Facebook groups that talked about, you know, different exercise and stuff that Peloton people would do. And they were looking at in those groups, you know, what were the pain points people were talking about? And so they literally built their product to set, to, to solve the pain points they found. So, you know, depending on what your product is, B2B, B2C, it could be different things. Going to, if it's B2B, going to the conference for that industry or going to the conference for, you know, those types of people and just talking to them off, buy them lunch, get a cup of coffee. You know, I, we used to go to a very big uh, conference called IRCE. We, we did the media center there and just even riding the bus from the hotel to that, that exhibition center uh, to me, the people I'd sit next to just be curious and talking to them and say, Hey, you know, let me understand what, what are your pain points? You know, I, I would always ask, have you heard of marketing Sherpa? What do you think of marketing Sherpa? You know, so um, I would say as best you can live life as a customer online, offline. Uh, if you if you have a product that is just in your town, if it's a local store or something like that, you know, walk around, you know, try to kind of bump into people, talk to people, join the clubs they're joining. Um, I mean, that's that's the best advice I can give. It, and, and then again, like I said, it really comes down to your budget and size, the big companies, they can do A-B testing, they can do surveys, they can, you know, make product mock-ups and focus groups. And there are many, many things the big companies can do. Um, but even if you're small, either the internet or just being in person gives you lots of opportunities to just be curious and really want to understand your customers' pain points, how are they being served and, and how you can help them with unique value. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, um... Uh, curious marketers can get much higher results, you know, because they are looking for new ways uh, of getting results. And for example, uh, if, uh, I remember when Google ads uh, work well, you know, uh, I just spent uh, like a few minutes uh, to set up my paid campaigns. But today when I check out uh, all this pay-per-click uh, settings, I understand no way paid marketers can do this job much better, you know, uh, yeah, they spent so much time to learn new technologies. Uh, and yeah, I agree with that. It's better to, uh, to pay, pay attention uh, in your way. Uh, I want to ask about growing podcast. Can you tell uh, uh, how to find, uh, I don't know, a loyal audience, how to grow your podcast to get more downloads if you start from scratch? Yeah. So again, so as we talked about, it starts with that value props. And so you actually have to have that something of unique value to communicate to the audience. And then it comes down to a marketing campaign, right? So like a mm -hmm. traditional marketing campaign, where is that audience and how can you get in front of them? If you have a budget, there's obviously different, you know, paid advertising you could do to get in front of them, uh, whether that's on LinkedIn or Facebook or Google ads or a nice big print ad in, uh, you know, your industry publication or, you know, whatever, whatever people are reading. Um, you know, even when you don't have a budget, it's also just creating complimentary value around that uh, podcast. It's talking to different people in your niche, going on different podcasts where, where people are guesting if you can. Um, you know, it's creating inbound content too and building links. So, you know, for every uh, podcast we release, so, you know, obviously we put it out on the RSS feeds. 
uh, you know, it's in the you know Apple Store, Google Podcasts, and all that. But we also build uh, you know our own article on our own site. Uh, that article has, uh, you know, kind of highlights at the top, but it has a full transcript of the conversation. Uh, and then that's an uh, opportunity for SEO too, and, you know, building, building links to your podcast. But it really comes down to that marketing campaign, understanding where your audience is and, and interacting in that way that you want to serve them, right? If you are, if, you know, Reddit is, for example, we just talked about, that's kind of a unique community. If you can, in an authentic way, because Reddit people, Redditors will sniff you out, but in an authentic way, if you can you know, interact and drop it in there, that's great. But you know, really find that uh, authentic way for your audience and build that campaign around that. And, uh, you know, and, and it, it comes down to, you know, more money, more opportunities. So what it, when you can actually do paid promotion, uh, that obviously helps a lot as well. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, um, I, I want to share how I found uh, your stuff, uh, your content online. Um, yeah. You know, um, I think that um, uh, I started to check out how uh, help of reporters out uh, work. Uh, you know, um, yeah, that's a great tool. And I found that uh, you uh, submit some uh, requests there. Uh, I opened your website and got it. Wow, crazy. Yeah, valuable, valuable. I, I want to learn more about uh, you, about your content, about your ideas and uh, decided to reach out to you to uh, invite to my podcast so uh, that's why we have the second episode can you tell uh, from your experience uh, how to find uh, great speakers uh, to your podcast uh, for example if someone starts from scratch because i know it's hard to reach out to find the right speakers and convince them uh, why they need to speak on your podcast especially if you start from scratch can you tell about that yeah, sure. Well, you know, and the thing you mentioned, Anatoly, too, I'll say something I learned early in my career. I think it was Joe Chernoff who uh, worked for HubSpot at the time, or maybe he was working for Eloqua at the time. I don't remember. I know, and I was interviewing him about content marketing. And one thing he advised, you know, something in content marketing in general, as much as you can, you know, try to lean towards yes. So, I mean, if you're out there and you become successful content marketer, build your own audience as much as possible, try to lean towards yes. And, you know, do as many of these things as you can and kind of, you know, help others out and, you know, not to be, I know we're talking about marketing and business and these things, but you know, mm -hmm. there's a bigger karma in there when we just try to kind of help others and not focus so much on what we can get out of it, that, that things uh, build over time. Uh, but when it, it comes to finding speakers, so uh, I mean, I'll tell you what we do, uh, which probably isn't a fit for everyone. And then, you know, we can kind of talk about what might be good for others. Uh, so, uh, you know, again, we're, I'm fortunate to start a podcast, not literally from scratch, but with the marketing Sherpa brand that's got more than two decades of credibility behind it. And so there's a lot of people that want to speak on our podcast. So we kind of had to take the, the reverse route. Uh, so I set up a, uh, built a podcast guest application, just a very basic application. And we decided that we're picking people based on their stories, right? We're looking for the best, most compelling stories that are most helpful to the audience and have the best lessons. You know, a lot of people get on the podcast and, and they just want to promote, promote, promote and talk about, you know, how great their stuff is, how great their product and their industry. And, and we're just looking for people who are out there really with a heart of like, hey, here's how I messed up. Here's things I've learned. Uh, here's, you know, how you can learn from me. Uh, and so what we did is we built a, an application and uh, we shared on Help Reporter Out. We shared on services similar to there. Uh, you know, we get a lot of inbound emails that are asking to be on our application, to, to, to be on our podcast. What typically happens is if you get a podcast of some renown, then there are PR agencies out there that are trying to get people on podcasts, and they typically pitch the person based on their title and based on their bio. It's like, hey, wouldn't you like to interview this person? And then that's it. And then you just, you know, go and interview. And that's what we have you know, uh, the application is say, hey, we're not interviewing based on that. What stories can you bring? 
Uh, and that is kind of a really way to weed out the people who are going to be most helpful and the people also that want to put in the time on the front end because we spend a lot of time on the front end uh, to get the stories right, to prep them so that when we actually record, we have you know a good flow, um, good stories. Uh, and that's one thing I'd really advise too with, with the guests is you know spend some time. I, I craft an outline, a flow of the, the actual episode. Uh, and then once we have a good outline, you know, it's a natural conversation. We'll ask follow-up questions and these sorts of things. We're really spending time with that guest so you have something valuable once once you record. Uh, so that's what we do. And so, again, we're fortunate that uh, there's a lot of people that would want to speak on a marketing show or podcast, a lot of people that heard it. Um, and there's a lot of people that we already have relationships with. Um, if you are just starting net new out there in the world and you have nothing at all, um, as I said, there are uh, services like Help Reporter Out. There are podcast matching services. A lot of the podcast matching services usually have to have some level of um, you know, renown at that point, at least a certain amount of episodes uh, under your belt so they know you're legitimate. Um, but there's also really... I mean, kind of like Anatoly did with with me. Uh, find out so you know once you get that niche, and and if if you know not, and also too, not every podcast is interviewing guests. You know, there are val very valuable no. podcasts where it's one or two or three people who know each other well talking and talking through you know the things that that they can teach people. Uh, there's podcasts that are more narrative where they're you know telling a story. There, there's there's many different formats. So finding out your right format would be important. But if you are interested in uh, interviewing guests, you know again, it's finding out what is that niche and that you're trying to serve and then who are the people that can can best serve that niche and bring value and there's a lot of ways to research them there's you know linkedin facebook twitter other podcasts there's you know buzzsumo and all sorts of you know influencer platforms where you can search people uh, but it really comes down to what what everything does is a bit of a marketing campaign and so making sure uh you answer that we talked about if you're trying to get someone to listen to your podcast, you have to answer that value proposition question. If you're trying to get someone to be on your podcast, you have to answer that value proposition question, right? Because there is, hopefully, I assume you're not charging your guests to be on money, but it's going to take them time. It's going to take them prep work. It's also a bit of their credibility on the line. They're probably going to introduce you to their audience. So you have to answer that value proposition question for them too. If I am your ideal guest, why should I appear in your podcast versus anything else I could do with that hour or whatever of my time? So really thinking through, not just spamming people, thinking through what is the value proposition to, for them for being on there, coming through on that value proposition, and then communicating it when you reach out to them, whether it's through email or LinkedIn or you know some sort of influencer platform. Mm -hmm. Yeah, valuable. Uh, I think, you know, uh, you mentioned about spamming. Uh, I get a hundred emails a day, you know, with spam. No, <laughs> uh, I'm great with that. Uh, do you want to get backlinks, uh, guest posts, everything <laughs> on LinkedIn, on my email, everywhere. But, you yeah. know, uh, uh, it takes time to filter out, to check out uh, where I, you know, yeah. And uh, I think uh, most uh, recipients, they understand. Uh, templates and uh, uh, personalized outreach uh, and uh, yeah uh, don't try to sell anything yeah well that's a good point you know here's one thing i do too is i don't have a templated way to get onto the podcast so what a lot of people do is you know they have the calendly link and there's this whole templated thing and obviously it saves them time and so i've specifically not done that and it is more of a pain in the butt i'll agree right there's there, that there's not some sort of like templated calumny way to go about it uh but i want them to know that there i'm a real person right i and i respect that you're a real person and i'm going to interact with you like you're a real person right and i think sometimes when it comes to content 
uh, like with you know email spamming, we've just gotten to this point where it says volume play, right? Like, how can I get the maximum amount of volume out there? Podcast episodes, blog posts, whatever it is. And so I'm going to have these automated templates set up, and it's just going to be this constant feed, and boom, 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 boom. I'm going to be hitting people. And so you know, you have to decide on your own strategy. But we've specifically taken the opposite approach always with our content since the very beginning. We're going to produce the best possible content we can. That means that we're not going to probably produce the same volume that other people do. Uh, and along with that, it also means like we're going to have human interactions. I'm going to reach out to you. I'm going to ask you for times. I'm not going to send you to Columbia Lake. Mm -hmm. I'm actually going to ask you for times. I am going to send you an Outlook invite. It's a small thing. It's more of a pain in the butt. It would be easier to do it the other way. But it sends this little signal that we're actually real people interacting. And the thing I worry about is when we've gotten to all of these digital channels, which have been so helpful uh, during COVID, you know, during wars, during these horrible things, it's great to have these digital interactions. We forget that there are real people on the other end of those conversations. And so I really encourage you to, as much as you can, humanize your podcast or any content you're doing. Focus on quality and focus on having real human conversations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, love it. Uh... Can you predict the future? Uh, what kind of future can uh, are you expecting with podcasting? Because, you know, uh, um, I often get this question. It's interesting that when people uh, are asking me about metaverse, metaverse will uh, kill SEO, will kill podcasts, video marketing, everything. Uh, but uh, today I can see podcasting is growing and I'm not sure that it will be dropped in one day, you know, just uh, dropped and that's it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it takes time if uh, even something will come uh, to the place. Uh, yeah, it takes time with diminishing results uh, and we can check out. But today it's growing and for, uh, if I remember correctly, 40% of Americans are listening to uh, at least one episode of podcast every single day. What, 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 what are you expecting from this future? You know, it's really interesting you ask that because I probably have a bad track record. You know, I uh, was a radio DJ back in the 90s. At my college job, we had a real radio station at the University of Florida. I was a rock radio DJ. Uh, and then actually, I started podcasting back in the like early to mid-2000s, even before the iTunes podcast store had come out. It was that <laughs> pod whatever. I think it was like an early version of Twitter we were doing it. And what we were actually doing was um, I was a, a consultant and contractor to IBM. And so we had what we think is the first internal podcast at IBM. And it was, uh, you know, we had been, we uh, were uh, doing sales enablement for a worldwide sales force at IBM. And so, you know, we published a lot of the same thing as I do at Marketing Trip at case studies. And, you know, we do them in writing through email. And then we realized, again, thinking about your audience first, these people are constantly traveling, right? And they don't, and any time they're spending reading something is taking away from time with the customer. So if we created a podcast, they could listen in their downtime when they're in a car, when they're on a plane. Uh, and people would download it onto a CD-ROM and listen to their car. And they would, you know, listen to play when, you know, podcasts were just first coming out and other MP3 players. Uh, and so back then, I mean, that was more than 15 years ago, I would never have guessed it. It would have grown and gotten as popular as it has today. So I just say, I may be bad to predict the future. So it, here's my opinion, kind of going back to what I was saying before is, you know, we focus too much on the technology a lot of times, you know, then we focus on what humans have been doing since, you know, we crawled out of caves and that is having real interactions. And when the technology can help foster real interaction, it's going to be successful and it's going to be helpful. And I think the thing that really makes podcasting uh, successful and different and a helpful way to connect is you are hearing oftentimes you are really, it's that intimacy. It's that connecting with people. You know, I listen in my car 
and you know i'm driving and i'm just alone with whoever that person that podcast is or that conversation and i you know i feel like it's a version of kind of being there and having that humor human interaction with them so as long as we value those human interactions which we have for millennia we have for thousands of years and i think we will for thousands of years in the future i think some version of this audio communication which you know started back with radio a hundred years ago i think is going to be popular and helpful uh, and I kind of question too, as more of these uh, other technologies come up, uh, not so much the metaverse, but more of these automated technologies, these automated chatbots, a lot of this automation where, you know, I've got a robot vacuum. I talk to Siri and Alexa and all these things. Those are fine and helpful. But as, as much as we have those, I think we're going to want to, that pendulum's going to switch in the other direction and we're going to want to have those real human interactions. So I would really encourage everyone listening, don't focus so much on the platform and the technology, focus on your customer, the people you can help and how you can help them with the value proposition. And then that's question one. Then the second question is always, how can I do that? What channels can I do that with? How can I reach out to them? And podcasting might be a right one for you, but I'm sure there'll be another technology that'll come up in the future that could be the right one too. So as long as we're focusing on those right fundamentals about our customers, then I think whatever happens with technology uh, at the end of the day is gonna be useful for your business and useful for your customers. I love it, yeah. Very valuable. Yeah, I agree. I agree completely with that. Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, when you uh, uh, use uh, modern technologies, uh, I think uh, you get experience, uh, you get confidence. And when the future will change some technologies, you have uh, everything to adapt to new technologies, for example, metaverse. But when you can... Uh, communicate with your customers in direct way, you can do it in metaverse uh, by having experience in podcasting. So <laughs> no worries about that. You know, and metaverse, the funny two thing, it's not new. Like again, back when I was working with IBM in the mid 2000s, mm -hmm. there was something called Second Life. And that was essentially, I don't know if you remember Second Life, it was a version of the metaverse. And back then it was the next big thing and the next big way to connect. So I think a lot of times, you know, there's that famous saying that there, it's all been done. There, there's not necessarily new ideas. Podcasting is just radio with technology, right? The metaverse was just what Second Life is. It's kind of all the same thing happening again. And the reason is, is because there's just, just fundamental need for human connection and communication. And like I said, technology is just a means to an end. It's not, don't focus so much on the technology. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Daniel, for your time, for uh, sharing all this valuable insights. Tell our audience how they can reach out to you, learn more about you, follow you. Yes, absolutely. And, great. and just Anatoly, it's great to connect with you again. So glad to see you safe. Um, so if you'd like to hear the How I Made It in Marketing podcast, you can go to marketingsherpa.com slash podcast. We've got all the episodes there. And uh, if you'd like to uh, learn from our free digital marketing course, which is called Become a Marketer Philosopher, you can go to mechlabs.com slash course, M-E-C-L-A-B-S.com slash course. Okay, guys, you can find all these links in the description below. Listen to us on Apple, Google, Spotify, and I'll share a link uh, to your uh, uh, to your course. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, uh, I'm a big learner as well. You know, I'm a student in my life. I always learn. So, uh, uh, by the way, uh, courses uh, are the best way of learning. Uh, when I analyze my audience, I ask them, uh, what do you like more? Blog posts, books, uh, courses, and uh, around 60% proclaimed courses uh, are the best way. So yeah, I want to share your course. Uh, guys, you can learn from Daniel uh, to learn more about that. And uh, thanks for listening and watching us. 
Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.